It's going to be a great day. Already is a great day. Already is. Already is. I am so, so fired up about today. Again, everyone uh, who is in the room at our White Rock campus, we love you so much. Uh, this room keeps being full, so we are praying through a whole nother service option, another service time, so that we can keep on providing uh, more space. And, uh, but y'all keep tricking me. I never know. I never know. It's like, are people coming? They're not coming. You got a Delta variant. Are they coming? Are they not coming? What's happening? So I'm just trying to make sure. You, I'm trying to see. But for week after week after week, we keep needing uh, overflow. So uh, at some point in time, we're going to open up another service and then more services. And then I'm praying for another building. That's what I'm actually praying for. I pray for just more space so we can invite all of our friends in and keep on growing uh, together. We got friends all over that are, are with us, okay? So it's not just like in the room anymore. Now we've got, you know, Reagan and Candace that are in Tennessee, and we've got Kyle and Chandler that are in California, everyone who's a part of their neighborhood gathering. And just I got an email from somebody in Nigeria. His name is Emmanuel, and he's like, hey, I want to start a neighborhood gathering here in Nigeria. So we've got folks all over that are saying, I want to be a part of this family. Just want you to know you're incredibly loved and excited about today. We've got North Dallas as well. Matter of fact, one of our assistant campus pastors at North Dallas, her name is Redate. Amazing woman just had her birthday this past week. So happy birthday to you, Redate. We're so, so proud of you. Uh, but we're going to jump into God's Word today. We're going to grow today. We're going to develop today. And I pray that after we are done, all of us are pushed forward in our walk with God. I've been saying uh, this same phrase over and over uh, for the last two weeks. Now, this is the third week I'm going to say it as we're in part three of this series called What Lies Beneath, What Lies Beneath. And uh, we, we've been saying this every week. We've been saying this, what you can't see stabilizes or sabotages what you can see. What you can't see stabilizes or sabotages what you can see. Our, our oldest son, Parker, he's uh, 16 and he wants a car. He wants a brand new car. Well, we're not getting him a brand new car, okay? Uh, if your parents did that for you, great. Uh, though we might be able to get him one, uh, we're not doing it. I said, Parker, you're going to have to save up your money and we'll pay half. That's what we'll do. We'll pay half uh, for your car up to a certain number. <laughs> so it's not like if you get $20,000, we are not throwing in $20,000. You got to go to college still. So... So he is now looking at cars, and he sent me, I mean, he sent me some hoopties. I mean, they are just, these are terrible automobiles. They are so bad, and I'm thinking, perfect. This is exactly what I want you driving. I don't want anybody looking at you thinking you're a baller. I want you, I want that car to be making crazy noises when you pull up to places to humble yourself. So he's sending me car. I mean, they've got 178,000 miles on it. It's just, it's wild. But he's going, oh, I like this one. I like this one. I go, really, man, it's not about what's on the outside. It's really about what's underneath that hood. You got, you got to find out not only the mileage, but the maintenance. How was this engine taken care of? And I, I just want us all to remember, it's not just about what we can see. 
the stuff that we can't see, the stuff underneath the hood that will really determine whether or not we're able to go the distance. We're able to start when we need to start and, and go where we need to go. And I just want us to be a church family that's not just so enamored by the outside that we forget to deal with and work on and develop the inside. So yeah, if you want to do Botox, go ahead and do Botox. Got no problem with that at all. If you want to get some plastic surgery, I don't care. Do what you, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says you can't do that. But at the end of the day, let us not be so preoccupied by the exterior that we ignore the interior and the stuff that is behind the scenes. So we've looked at righteousness. We looked at how we are called by God we, and, and uh, we're cleansed by God and approved by God and in a right standing with God. We looked at how we're citizens of heaven. And today I want you to go to Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 15, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The title of today is The Cure. Uh, the Cure. I uh, sent a, a text message out to someone in our church family that we love so very much. Uh, you don't have to put her picture up yet. Uh, those of you who are in other parts of the world or at another campus, you've never had the opportunity to meet her. Maybe even at White Rock, you haven't had the chance uh, to meet her. But, but Brandy uh, and Al Leva are two of the best people in our church family. We love them so much. And they've got this adorable little baby, too, Anderson. I mean, the kid is so, so cute. Thankful that you guys keep on having pretty babies. And when we do baby dedications, we got the prettiest babies because you know there are ugly babies. We can all just agree, okay? Every one of them matter to God, but there are some kids that got to grow into their beauty. <laughs> but um, in the late, or the early or late 70s, um, Brandy's parents uh, were, were wanting to be pregnant, and they found themselves walking through a couple of miscarriages. Um, if you have never gone through anything like that, it, is very, it can be very, very traumatic. Uh, you have life on the inside of you, and then the life is no longer, no longer there. Um, different couples and, 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 and women will, will deal with that in different ways. Uh, some might want to have a little memorial. Some want to have a moment at home by themselves. Others might have just some prayer time. There's a, a bunch of different ways people deal with it, but miscarriages aren't, aren't a small thing for most people. And, um, and they had a couple of miscarriages and decided, hey, you know what, uh, and this was not popular back in the day, we're, we're going to go this adoption route. And they start down the road of adoption, and they end up uh, getting, being connected with two kids that are in Cambodia. They actually name these two children, and they cannot wait to bring these beautiful babies from Cambodia over here uh, to the States. And then the war breaks out in Cambodia, and those two children... Um, to this day, they actually never heard from them and have no idea where they are. So mom and dad are still uh, 
living and walking through a lot of pain, a lot of heaviness, a lot of difficulty, a lot of God, why? God, where are you? You ever have those prayers? You ever have those times? You're like, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to do what I think you want me to do. I feel called to be a parent, and, and you're, it seems like I'm getting roadblock after roadblock, problem after problem, issue after issue, because even when you're trying to do the right thing doesn't mean bad things don't happen. So they, they continue down the journey, and a friend of theirs shows up one day and says, hey, we've, I, I'm a lawyer, and I, I, I know of a, a little girl in, in Dallas uh, who, who, who is uh, half Latina and half uh, white, and she is wanting to be, uh, is, uh, her parents have made, made the bold, courageous decision to, to find a forever home for her, and, and uh, Brandy's mom and dad were like, yes, I'll j we'll jump on this, and they came, and they they. they beautifully brought this, I mean, this beautiful girl uh, into their family, and they were still wanting some more children. So eight years later, uh, it, took, it took a while, uh, but the same uh, lawyer comes to them and says, hey, uh, it's South Korea. There's a number of children that are, are being placed in, in this pool, if you will, to be adopted, but the waiting list is really, really long, and, but, but Brandy now, Brandy's mom and dad are like, yes, we'll do it, sign us up, and they, they jump on uh, the waiting list, but then the lawyer says, hey, just so you know, you, we can get you to the front of the line, and here, here's, the, here's the words he used, it might make you feel a little bit, uh, made me cringe some, this is Brandy telling me the story, but the lawyer said, I can get you to the top of the line if you're okay taking a defective child. Whew. Man, never label a child defective. Uh, this is Brandy that they ended up being connected with. She was put in this pool, she said, for a few reasons. One, she was from a, she was from a, a fishing village. Um, her skin was darker. So kind of, she was not as um, appealing to, to those in South Korea and to uh, some folks in the States. She was put in an orphanage, had seizures, and had walked through so many different things. And come to find out, the parents were like, we don't care. She ain't defective to us. She's our daughter. <laughs> so they, they bring her on over. And raise her, and they take her to the doctor in the beginning, and, and the doctor says, because Brandy was crying a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. She's crying all the time, just crying, crying, crying. They take her to the doctor. They find out that she actually has lost, uh, she's legally deaf. The doctor says, hey, there's some things we can do, and they say, no, no, you know, we're, we're not going to do those things. We're just going to pray, actually. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And they started praying and praying and went back uh, not too long later. And the doctor said, I don't know what happened. His eyes are, are this huge. I'm like, your daughter can now hear. I don't know what happened. It was a miracle that took place in, in Brandy's life. But this, this child that was, uh, that was labeled defective, uh, this is what Brandy said. I, I love this. She says, she goes, they, my parents told me all the time that, you know, yes, I, I, I was adopted and they told me, you're chosen, you're chosen, you're chosen. But she goes, as I began to grow up, I realized they didn't take me in as their own. I've always been their own. Uh, let, let me show you this picture of, of, uh, of Brandy. And, and now, do I have that picture? I'm not sure. Do I have that picture? I asked my wife. Okay, good. good. There, there, here's Brandy and Al. 
uh, Leva that are behind me, and their little baby Anderson. I told you, they're absolutely adorable. But this family, this beautiful young woman was adopted. Maybe you are or you have a, a friend or a loved one that's been adopted. And today we're going to unwrap a passage of scripture that I think is going to be very, very important to our identity is going to help push us forward and I think solve a lot of the, the identity problems that we might be having, a lot of the anxiety that we might be dealing with. If you go again to Romans uh, chapter 8, we're going to break down verse number 15. Uh, as, as you're looking at it, you can put the verse on the screen once again. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse number 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I, I need you to write this down if you're taking notes. This is very, very important. The spirit of God doesn't make you slaves. The spirit of God makes you sons and daughters. The Spirit of God doesn't make you slaves. The Spirit of God makes you sons and daughters. As a matter of fact, the Bible here says he did not, he did not give you a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. How many of you, I, I know we got a bunch of teenagers in the room and then I'm sure a bunch uh, watching online. I, I, we're trying to be very, very uh, wise with how we raise up our, our next generation of leaders, okay? Because they're going to be running things in a little while. We'll all be working for them before we know it, right? So be nice, be nice to these, these young people. Uh, the, the reality is some of us were raised in churches where you were taught that God is so mad at you. He's about to kill you at any moment. If you screw up, if you mess up, there's a lightning bolt with your name on it and God can find you no matter where you are. He'll kill you. Slowly. <laughs> There's some crazy stuff that was out there even when, uh, when I was growing up. Uh, they would say things uh, like, if you're in the movie theater and Jesus comes back, he's leaving you behind on earth because you are in a movie theater. There are things like, if a woman was caught wearing pants or makeup, I mean, you were like the worst of the worst of the, I almost said another word. I was like, no, I can't say this in church. <laughs> Man, thank you, God. God, I'm going to say thank you for the filter that you just put over my mouth right there. I would have, I can't be that real in church, right? <laughs> there were people that were just, Talk bad about tear down. There is, there's been some crazy things throughout the day, and so many folks, so many people, it's no wonder they're not interested in following God because they don't like God and they don't think God likes them. So people can try to tell you, be holy, be holy, be holy, be holy. And you and I are like, okay, I'll be holy, but I'm only trying to be holy, not out of love. I'm trying to be holy so I don't get hurt by God. And that won't sustain you. It will not keep you strong in your walk with God. 
You will not be able to have a life-giving relationship. How can you have a life-giving relationship with someone that you are afraid is going to kill you at any moment? Now, I'm all, I know God's all-powerful. I know he's sovereign. I'm not diminishing one ounce of his power. I know who God is. But I also, I don't just know his power. I also know his heart. And I see here in Scripture that the Spirit does not make you a slave again to fear. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you are living in fear, then you are not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You don't know the God that I know. You're not walking how he would want you to walk. You're not reading the scriptures properly. If you think when you mess up, you have to run from God, then you're not reading it right. If you think that every time you mess up, God is not for you, you're not reading the Bible right. If, you're, if you think ever, God is waiting for you to screw up so that he can try to take something from you, you're not reading it right. The reality is the God of heaven is more for you than you could ever possibly imagine and the spirit you and I receive does not make us a slave again to fear. So if you're living in fear, you're not living in the place that God set up for you. You're living in a place that you set up for yourself or that the enemy set up for you. But I can promise you right now, God did not set up that spot for you. That is not the home or the apartment that he set aside for you. The place that he set aside for you is a place called adoption to sonship or daughtership. Let me keep on going here. Let me keep on breaking this down for just a, a second. This is a movie from way back in the day called The Count of Monte Cristo. This is an old movie, old movie. Anybody know this? This is an old movie. And, and, and I, I like this movie, uh, but the guy, the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, he actually lived in prison for a very long time. He lived in prison for so long, and he had to sleep on the floor in prison. But he, he gets out of prison and comes, to, and comes into all this money. And he comes into all this money. I mean, he is ridiculously rich. He's Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos kind of rich. He just, he has gold upon gold upon gold upon gold. Gold grill, gold earrings, gold necklace, gold toes. He's got gold everywhere, but, and he's living in a palace, but when they come in to find him, he's not sleeping on the bed. He's actually sleeping on the floor because even though he had all that money, he still saw himself as the prisoner. He was still comfortable sleeping on the floor because he spent all those years sleeping on the floor. But now he's coming to a new position, but he has not made the full adjustment. And I think there's so many of us that have come into a new position in our relationship with God. We become sons and daughters, but we're still living like prisoners, still thinking like prisoners, still sleeping like prisoners. No wonder you're sleeping around all the time. You don't even understand the worth and value that Jesus Christ put on you at the cross. I guess I would sleep around too if I didn't know I was worth the very blood of Jesus Christ. But since now I know what I'm worth, it helps me live the way that God wants me to live. Um, there's just, the, let me put up that, put my Greek word, the Greek word up for adoption here, okay? This is, this is a Greek word for adoption. It's, uh, oh, oh, I just lost my notes. God, does, God, help me, help me out here because I don't want to mess this up. Uh, it's, you say it like this, heothesia. Uh, heothesia is how you say this word. Heothesia. It's, it's two words joined together. One word uh, means son. The other word means to place. 
This is the word for adoption. Saying I'm, I'm taking a son and I'm putting him or I'm taking a daughter and I'm putting him or her in a, in a place. Like, and once I put you in a place, that means you're not somewhere else. This is, I'm not trying to be too, too deep here, okay? But if I'm right here, I'm in a spot. I'm in a place. But if I move to here, I'm no longer there. I'm in a new place. And I need us to understand that this is what Christ did for every one of us. This is what the Spirit of God has done on the inside of us. He has put you, you were in a place. Yes, you were in a place of loss. You were in a place of brokenness. You were in a place of sin. You were in a place of being disconnected from God. You were in a place where actually you are an enemy of God. That, that's where you and I were apart from Jesus Christ. But when we say, Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you, God picked you up from that place and he puts you in a whole nother place you are no longer where you used to be you're now in another spot and you might be thinking like you used to think but that's why you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that's why you got to stay in church and stay in community and stay in worship and keep on giving and keep on loving and keep on serving and doing the things that God has called us to do so that your mind can be changed changed because spiritually you're in a new spot Paul here is using a legal term he's acquainted with Roman law and he's using language that speaks to the legal process of adoption by which the chosen heir became entitled to all the property and civil status of the family he was being adopted into this, my friends, cannot be revoked. It can't be taken away. Once the papers are signed, it's done. Once the judge drops the gavel, it's done. Once the ceremony happens, it's done. You might be able to get divorced from a husband or a wife, but you cannot, you cannot separate that which has been adopted. You can't go back on it. Look it up yourself. Look up the Roman laws of the day. Go back. Go all the way back. You will find out when a slave was adopted into the family, the rights were so secure for that slave, their identity was changed forever. This is the word the Apostle Paul uses. But some of us still have a slave mentality instead of a child mentality. A slave mentality says this. Uh, a slave says, uh, I'm here for what I do, not who I am. But a child mentality says, I'm here for who I am, not what I do. So you're going to ask yourself the question, do you think God loves you because of what you do or because of who you are? And if you think he loves you because of what you do, I'm telling you, that's a slave mentality. You're not thinking like a child. And your, your tank will run out. 
You won't have the fire you need. You won't have the strength you need. It, you're just, you're one either problem or promotion away from falling away. Let a problem come, you're like, well, God must not be for me. Look at God with all I'm doing for you, and look what you did, for, did to me, I'm done. Or a promotion comes, something gets good in your life, the guy you've been praying for, the girl you've been praying for, the job you've been praying for, the school you've been praying for, the opportunity you've been praying for, the loan you've been praying for, whatever it is, it comes into your life and you're able to elevate and push your life forward and you say, you know what I can do? I can do it all by myself. You're either, you're either a problem or promotion away if you think your relationship with God is based on what you do and not who you are. Okay, slave mentality is my connection to God is my performance, but a child mentality is my connection is my position. I have been amazed at how, um, it can almost feel disrespectful how my kids are at times. But it's not, it's just they're my kids. Like, you know, kids, you, you, you have no privacy. You're in the bathroom just trying to go, go to the bathroom. Just, Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, just, just give me a moment. Fathers, just so you know, if you ever want to get a little break, take your phone, go into the john, and just sit. And just go, I'm, on my I'm in the bathroom. But you have your phone. You can get a good 15 minutes in there. You don't even have to be going to the bathroom. That's a little dad hack for you. You need a little break. But there's been plenty of times I've been in the bathroom, and my kids... It's a very vulnerable place to be. We've all, I mean, you're. Uh, Dad, can I have some ice cream? So we're going to do this right now. She's going to keep, you want to keep this conversation going. You don't see that there's something going on right here that I'd like to have done in private. That, they just keep on talking, keep on talking, keep on talking, keep on talking. Because they understand, they understand I'm a child. That's my father. You come into places bold when you understand that's my father. You just, you walk into spaces and you're like, I'm supposed to be here because that's my father. I, 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 I can ask for this because that's my father. I just need us to understand that you have been adopted. You've been brought in to the family. It's legal. It's done. It's finished. It can't be changed. And you and I are, can now walk in and say, God, I love you. I need this. God, I love you. I, I would like this. And, and Jesus is not upset at you and I asking him for things, but also understand that Jesus is not also... Uh, intimidated to ask you for things because you're his so I, I'll be willing to ask my kids to do some things we might not be willing to ask you to do you know maybe it's the middle of the night I'm like hey give me some water you know just because I need some because I've been providing for you all this, all this time wake my kids up out of a dead sleep ask them to make me some microwave popcorn why wouldn't I <laughs> And I've seen times when my kids are like, oh. fine, Dad, fine. If they got food, they got, they got clothes, they have a roof over their head. They've, I mean, I go down the line, right? I, I go down my, all this stuff they have. I ask just for a water. To, <laughs> and 
And this is us with God. He's providing every single thing that we need. The breath in your lungs is from him. The strength you have in your body is from him. And he's like, tithe. That's Old Testament, Lord. Let me get, become real theological real quick. I'm like, oh, I know the Bible now. I know the Bible. I need you to forgive. Hey, just, just share with them the same grace that I gave you. I got to go all the way downstairs to get that, God. I got to go all the way downstairs to get that. Talking adoption here. I got, I got another verse for you. Let me, go, let me go to this verse. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Oh, this is beautiful. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. Everybody say in love. In love. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will I don't know where the, all this stuff got so twisted I, I also put it in the New Living Translation because I, I liked it's a little bit more uh, everyday language and it says even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Is this the God that you're following? Is this the one that you see from Scripture? Because for some of us, I'm getting to paint a picture for the first time. For others of us, I, I'm needing to dismantle some lies that you've had built up for years. I'm, I'm needing to, to get rid of some, some distortion that you have believed for whatever reason. Uh, you, you've probably heard the story of, of the prodigal son. If you haven't, it's a great story. It's found in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is sharing some parables. He talks about a lost sheep. He goes from a lost coin. Then he talks about a lost son. It's not just actually one lost son. There's actually two lost sons uh, in that uh, passage of Scripture. But one of the sons that we've heard about was a son that says, hey, Dad, give me all my inheritance. He runs away. He goes to Vegas. He spends everything that he has. And one day he comes to his senses, and he's like, like, okay, I'm coming home. This is like Robert Downey Jr. This is Kanye right there. Their eyes open. It's like, oh my goodness, I've been acting crazy. I'm coming home. And the father sees the son from a long way off and he runs to the son. Then he gives the son like a ring and a robe and new sandals, throws a party for the son. The whole thing is fantastic and wonderful. Now, when that son left the house, he did not stop being a son. I'm going to say it like this. You can walk away from intimacy, but you cannot walk away from identity. 
You can walk away from intimacy. You can say, God, I'm, I don't want to be close anymore. I want to go my own way. I want to sleep around. I want to drink as much as I want to drink. I want to talk however I want to talk. I don't want you to be in charge of my life. I don't want it. And you can walk away and you'll find yourself in a pig pen at some point in time. And when you come to your senses, and maybe it's today, you will realize that you do not have to become a son or a daughter again. You are a son and a daughter the entire time that you are doing your own thing. I want to put it this way. You cannot lose this relationship with God. Your behavior did not bring it. Your behavior cannot lose it. This came through Jesus Christ. That's how you were adopted. I, I got my one last verse and I'm all done here, okay? Uh, you've never, some of us have never heard of this passage of scripture. It's, it's in the Bible though, I'm not making it up. It's a book called Hosea. And in Hosea, I'm going to read it to you, okay? Because God asked this prophet to do something crazy. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. and She conceived a son. Go with me to Hosea chapter 3, verse number 1. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. This prophet was asked by God, to go find a woman who was on the proverbial corner selling her body and was told, marry her. He marries her. A chapter or two later, she's out again in the streets selling her body. And the Lord says, go find her again and bring her back. She's your wife. She has gone to do her own thing. She has turned her back on you. But you're still her husband and she's still your wife. And this, God is saying, is a picture of you and I going our own way, doing our own thing. And God says, I'll love you again. I'll come after you again. I'll find you again. And even though you might be running around from man to man to man or woman to woman or woman or thing to thing to thing or problem to problem to problem or anxiety to anxiety to anxiety, you're still mine. And I'll come after you as many times as I need to come after you because your identity has never changed. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why you and I are secure in Him.
This is why you and I can live lives of faith and humility and kindness and strength and be the leaders that God has called us to be. I think this is the cure for a lot of the problems that might be in our heads. I'm just praying that we, north, online, in this room, anywhere around the world, would believe this by faith. I'm praying that you would not think this is just some good stuff that a preacher thought up. I'm praying that your heart would come alive, that this is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's for every single one of us. If you're anywhere in this room or around the world, bow your heads for just a moment if you would not mind. I want you to bow your head. I just want you to pause for a second. And if you would say right now, your heart is not in God's hands. He is not first in your life. Something else, someone else is. Maybe there was a time you were following God, but you slipped away. You've gone another direction. Or maybe you've never even heard this message before. And I'm talking right now, and you're like, this is for me. I don't want to be on my own path. I want to be on his path. So if that's you, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. Or at one point in time, you did, and you slipped away. And today, you're ready to give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something bold. I literally, on the count of three, want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand in the air you're saying yes that's me I want to give my heart I want to give my life to Jesus Christ we got friends all over right now saying I don't want to go my own way I want to go his way this is an awesome moment sons and daughters coming home I'm gonna ask everyone to do me a favor put your hand over your heart if you would not mind and I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me say dear Jesus I ask you to forgive me of all my sins I admit I've made mistakes and today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we lift our heads up, clap our hands with enthusiasm and excitement? Man, we celebrate all that God is doing.